You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. think I genuinely forgot what it felt like, what the emotional experience was of feeling a surge of patriotism until the final episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is going to be a full spoiler episode. Let me just say that. We're not going to pull any punches. This is a six episode series. This is to discuss all the stuff that happened in this new second of the Marvel Disney Plus shows. So if you haven't seen it yet, come on, you know whether or not you want to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you watching it already? This is not for people who haven't watched it all. It's for people who've watched the whole thing. But that moment when Sam opens up the case with the new Falcon suit from Wakanda and then you see him in it and it's the exact Falcon Captain America suit from the comics, I just, my hair stood up on the back of my neck. And of course, I think maybe the finest written speech in the history of the MCU that he gives to television cameras explaining, hey man, here's what Captain America is all about. I started weeping. Go ahead, Danny, make fun of me now. For what? You know what this is? This is a perfect season of television, like The Flash and this show. Two perfect examples. Every episode is essential. All the characters are needed. There's an emotion in the show that you don't get very often that this show handles so well. What season of The Flash are we talking about here, by the way? The first season. Okay, good. The first season of The Flash is a perfect season of television, just like this show is, though this show is only six episodes long. Therefore, it is better. Because 22 episodes is a lot to sit through in this day and age. In fact, generally speaking, I won't do it anymore. All the Marvel shows are shorter. They're all kind of standalone. I mean, when we get to the end of this, they're like, oh, is there going to be a second season? Because there's a lot of setup. Like, this happened, too, at the end of WandaVision. You have seen other Marvel stuff, right? (laughs) Like, people forget on two levels about this being part of a bigger universe. On A, oh, there must be another season. No, it's going to tie into a bigger thing. And in fact, they announced the next Captain America movie, which will be written and directed by the people who did this, starring Sam, of course, as Captain America. They're just used to what happened with Netflix. Or B, they do the criticism. What was that? That's just fan service. I'm like, no, it's not. Somebody told me, I thought it was fan service they showed up. People from Wakanda showed up. I'm like, have you been paying attention at all? At the end of One Vision, I didn't. Where's the second season? That felt like beginning, middle, end, done. This, I do feel like I want a second season. Not immediately, maybe after Sam's cat movie, but I would see Bucky and Sam renovating a boat a week with an Avenger. I would watch (laughs) one week, it's Ant-Man and Wasp. The next week, it's Thor. They could do this old boat with an Avenger every episode, and I'd watch it. (laughs) 
I would also watch that. I'd watch that too. They should also go antiquing. Cake disasters in Wakanda or something, you know? Yeah. It's just like <laughs> the warrior cast are failing and getting really mad at making What cakes. did you bake for us today? It's like, uh, it's supposed to be a spear, but it came out looking not like a spear. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're here, obviously, reviewing Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm Chris, and joining me is Neil. Hello. Spider Mike. Howdy, howdy. And Danny Doggett. Flag smasher Doggett. <laughs> a lot of people bitch about things they feel like well what was the point of that? i'm like well it's part of this much bigger picture i mean if it's one thing if it's like hey a character's there and they serve no purpose and they really have no relation to the story then you're like huh but i didn't think that anybody in here was unrelated to the bigger picture or the story even the things that are really new like the flag smashers are a huge part of the captain america mythology and in fact their whole storyline which i know some people complain about like they were this generic enemy i didn't feel that way the whole message they were going is like it's important to keep struggling for what's right but there's a way to do it which kind of culminates in sam's speech at the end and sam's pieta inspired carrying of the main one's dead body which is like the third or fourth time they've done that in the mcu well and they didn't write the flag smashers off there's still the believers out there but there's no head of it there's no current leader of it and the one that landed in the ocean yeah yes. we at least have one surviving of the super flag smashers but the groundswell the crowdsourcing that's still there those roots have reached we don't know how far and wide yeah they have a cash app and a little sort of fruit ninja type game oh man zemo's gonna have his work cut out for him the closest thing to a character that it felt like it was introduced kind of late with not enough was the contessa played by julia louise dreyfus yeah which she's amazing by the way but like as a comic book nerd we know why she's a big deal but i feel like the audiences will have a hard time trying to figure out what's going on with her but it makes it that much more exciting to find out what she's going to be like in this universe I mean, she's one of the elements of this that is clearly more of a setup for what is going to come in future movies or shows or whatever. They had been teasing there was going to be a reveal of a big major actor slash actress playing a role that has a big role in the comics to play. And so she essentially ends up being sort of the head of the Thunderbolts, which is the Marvel version of the Suicide Squad in the comics. We never know if things are going to play out exactly the same, but with a real big focus on the raft this season, criminals go to the raft and the Flag Smashers go into the raft and baron zemo in the raft some of the previous movies they were like yeah he's going to the raft with some people you're like they're setting up maybe a year or two from now but i think they're setting up the thunderbolts with her being kind of the amanda waller character well having zemo there yeah we already know who runs the raft too we've seen thunderbolt ross in the raft running it overseeing it i kind of equate her showing up as like fury at the end of iron man turning the light on and he's just there like she's this recruiter we're gonna see sprinkled in other stuff i mean she is a good guy but she's a shadowy good guy she's a black ops she's the like in suicide squad she's the one that tries to recruit people to do the things that the real heroes won't do but that needs doing and i love that and she's a great choice for the part oh 100 and i love the line that she has that she's like look we don't need a captain america we need a u.s agent we just need somebody to go fuck off and fuck off some things and not have to worry about being the nicest dude ever is really what she's saying we need somebody to cave someone's chest in we need someone who can call kurt russell people criticized white russell's role and i think he was perfectly cast for this i think there was a lot of mistaking of people thinking he was genuinely being set up to be the new captain america 
And these are oh. obviously people who've never read the comic books because we all knew right off the bat that guy ain't going to be wearing that outfit for very long. Well, and they designed him you to hate him. And so yeah. even non-comic book readers were like, I don't like this guy. What's he doing? He's fake. Like, they did that so well, and he did it so well. He did. I think he nailed it. It, it was some real stepdad syndrome. Because he also <laughs> is not a villain in the comics, but he's unstable. He's a guy who's like, fights for the good guys, but doesn't always go about it in the correct way. I like that they're introducing a lot more gray characters like that into the Marvel Universe, especially with this sort of storytelling, which is, I can't think of a better word than kind of nuanced in this season, with getting to where they needed to get having more gray characters especially tying into unstable political situations around the world and the unstable political situation in the united states is going to be kind of essential to continuing to tell smart tales set in our world everything about the show is about dealing with the trauma of different types of privilege almost john walker has to deal with the privilege of now being the white savior essentially of the government falcon has to deal with he gave the shield up because he felt like he didn't have the privilege to do something like that and he has to deal with that internally and then come to terms with it and bucky feels like he doesn't have the privilege to be a normal person and he's not sure if he can deal with that either even the flag smashers they have to fight because they feel like they don't have any privileges at all it comes to a head at the end especially with falcon's speech at the end or captain falcon's speech at the end he's basically telling them check your fucking privilege nah son that's captain america there's a lot of PTSD discussion in the context of the MCU. The way that people have been mistreated by the government, especially with Isaiah Bradley, who in the comics was, do you remember what it was called? Truth, Red, Blue, and Black. Great book that introduced that character and since he's continued on in the series, but that there was another guy with a super soldier serum that was a real hero and then the government treated him like a criminal after the war was over. And man, the moment they introduced him, I was like, I hope one of these future miniseries is like him during the war. I want to see what he did to Bucky, because he mentions that he broke his fucking arm when they fought. And when Cap first fought Bucky, he had a hard time, and everybody had a hard time. But according to Isaiah, he fucked Bucky up. Well, that was 1960s arm. Captain America got 2010 Bucky metal arm. Like, those, those are two different metal arms. He still struggled with them, but Isaiah's just like, I fucked you up so bad that you fucking ran like a bitch. I feel like if you saw that arm now, it's like, oh, this is made out of copper. <laughs> it's made of pennies. But I mean, Bradley's always been presented to be a badass. His tragedy is that the government didn't stand by him. He was a secret. One of the main aspects of the show that I think is really powerful was how it started off, which was Sam giving up the shield. I think that's way more interesting than the government yanking it from him and the show being about Sam trying to be Captain America. This entire show is Sam saying, I don't want this shit because I know what it means. And every other character saying, but it has to be. It's not him earning the shield. It's about him intellectually understanding that Cap was right when he gave the shield to him and he had already earned it. He just would be a different type of Captain America. And that's okay. And I like that, that there was no sort of like, oh, he has to prove himself. There was no need for him to prove himself to anyone but himself. I saw it so much as he thought no one could live up to it. Steve was such a unique being. And I like, Mike, your touch on privilege. Another word that kept coming up for me in this whole season was legacy. I don't think Sam thought he could live up to that legacy. No one could, so I'm going to retire the shield. It was his legacy, his family's legacy, Bucky's legacy with being Winter Soldier. You even talk about Walker's, him trying to fill the shoes of that legacy of an American icon and Steve Rogers and all that. And no one was living up to what they thought it was supposed to be. And I think Sam evolves of, no, I'm going to make it my own. 
I'm not going to try to fill Steve's shoes because no one can. I'm not going to try to fill Isaiah's shoes. I'm going to fill my shoes. I'm going to define them and make them my own. Yeah, well said. I couldn't possibly say any words that are spoken better than Sam's speech about it at the end. Sam's speech at the end is, God, like you said in the beginning, is the most patriotic I felt in a long time. I felt it in my soul. Especially, I love that line when he's talking to Isaiah about it right after. No one's going to tell me not to fight for this country. I love how Isaiah's just like, I almost fucking believed you. <laughs> because I believed him. The show does such a good job at making you remember why Cap picked him to begin with. We got different things out of that speech because a little part of me was like, yes, burn it all down. Burn this <laughs> shit to the ground. You're right, Danny. You are Danny Flag Smasher Doggett. You are correct. That's true. <laughs> Everyone in this film is in some way related to Captain America's legacy, even Sharon. It was a little heartbreaking to find out that after what she did in Civil War, during the five years where Steve wasn't on the run anymore, they just didn't try to find her. They never established if she's blipped or not. So I don't know if she was on run for two years or seven. I got the feeling she'd been on the run for seven because she was that, like, fuck you. But I agree with you. Why didn't Steve go looking for her in the five years? No, you guys don't understand. You know how much it hurts to be waiting for your endgame portal and like it never comes <laughs> but everyone got one poor sharon yeah it's one of those things where you find out just how much endgame and infinity war and even civil war fucked up people's lives it continues to talk about that age of ultron still has a lot of stuff that you still feel like that moment where zemo is just like well there's a memorial have you guys visited it at all and they just don't say anything. He's like, yeah, of course you haven't fucking gone. Those two are like, we weren't Avengers yet. That was before us. It's still such a great moment. It's Zemo just being like, my life is like ruined still because of what happened. And you guys are just like, hey, could you help us find this super soldier? And he's like, I guess. Another thing to bring up privilege is that Zemo essentially lost his privileges. And it turns out he was very privileged. We didn't know how rich he was, although his name is Baron Zemo. So, yeah. You know. I don't remember if it said in Not in Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like Euro trash rich. Like, yeah, he has a jet. Like, they don't have ice or shit. Yeah. There's trade-offs. <laughs> we saw him at the disco. He's total Euro trash. He absolutely is. <laughs> I really like Zemo's stuff because it was Zemo coming to terms with where his life ended up and also constantly just wondering whether or not he is actually a bad person or not. But that guy is playing a long game because he's not really distressed about going back to the jail. I mean, you don't want to get killed by the Wakandans. But he kind of takes it all in stride and everything in this feels like that one time when he disappeared for a little bit, something happened that we just didn't see. And that's part of his whole big long game plan, because I think he's going to come back as a much more big villain later down the line. Really? I think that's Sharon Carter's role here now. I, I think Zemo is going to be more anti-hero from here on out. Marvel's good about not painting themselves in corners. They leave blank spots. We don't know if Sharon was blipped or not. We don't know if Zemo was blipped or not. They can always come back and fill that in if they really think they need to. But I think it was interesting with Zemo when Bucky has him down the barrel of the gun. I think the Zemo who wanted to die comes back because he nods his approval to Bucky. Not in this some sort of, I knew you would do it because you're a killer, but like finish it. I was going to finish it and didn't get to. And I kind of wondered why the Wakandans would take him to the raft and not back home. But then it's like, I wonder if the Wakandans even have prisons or jails. They probably don't need them good point they've probably evolved and they take care of that shit you're on community service or whatever but no nah, they just kick you out of wakanda well yeah they they do kind of reference that but banish people yeah which would suck because you know it's wakanda 
I took it as he wanted to die. Zemo was ready to die again, like he was at the end of Civil War. He definitely was like, uh, you know, I could see my family again. That would be so bad. It might have been one of those things where he's like, well, I have a lot of plans, but if this happens, I'm not going to say no. Well, he did tell Bucky, I hold no grudge. And I think it's because Bucky didn't choose to take the serums. Everything was forced upon him. His main problem with the Flag Smashers was, because I think he says it, those who seek that power cannot be trusted with such power. And Bucky didn't choose any of it. And he's like, and people who want that power are never going to be able to use it correctly. He's definitely one of the characters in the MCU that I think is the most different from the personality of the, the character in the comic books. Oh, 100%. Well, you can't make him a Nazi in this one. There's too many Nazis already. <laughs> Without the mustache, he is mustache twirling to the extreme in the comics. And that's with Batrox the Leaper. And he made a comeback. He got three more episodes than we ever thought he would after Winter Soldier. Hell, the Flag Smashers alone are one of the funniest, like, origins of a character. I'm just going to break all the flags. And you're like, that's the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Because apparently it was really into Eddie Izzard. And they're just like, uh, if they don't have a flag, they can't take over anything. Do any of y'all feel like you missed out on not having that virus subplot? I don't think we lost anything, really. Was there supposed to be a virus subplot in this? Well, this was supposed to be nine episodes long originally, and they cut out an entire subplot in the show. I've read that, too. Uh -huh. This was supposed to be first, and then WandaVision second. Right. And they delayed it to kind of retweak, and it's also why in the first episode the Flag Smashers are stealing so much medicine and vaccines. Because of the virus. And then Mama Dorna dies to the virus. I think the one thing it kind of weakens was it was the whole reason they went to Madripoor versus, well, Zemo just knows there's underground. Disney and Marvel decided that a global pandemic, allegedly, this is all allegedly, they've not confirmed any of this, a storyline with a global pandemic originating out of Asia wasn't as necessary and might throw fuel on the fire of that stuff right now. And to your question, Doggett, no, I don't think we needed it. I don't think it was a big deal at all. I didn't notice anything was missing. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Let's go to final thoughts. Spider-Mike, get us started. I really like the show a lot. Feels like it meanders a bit, especially early on, because it took me a while to really, really what? feel like I was really into the show. But I think it's because the beginning is a slow burn, but it ends up working out that way because there's so much nuance to it that if you watch the whole thing one after another, it just ends up working the way Doggett says. It's it's damn near perfect because of it. I love this. The more I think about it, the more I'm just like really glad that this was a show instead of just sort of crammed into a movie. Because that was, that was the thing that some people were saying early on is like, why is this a show? This could have just been a movie. And I don't think that's true now, especially the way it ends. I'm really glad that Marvel has been using different things to continue to grow the MCU. Because, you know, the Netflix shows, they were great, but they didn't connect to anything. Not even each other in a very good way. Because the thing about the movies is they're... The storylines to the movies are very event storyline. Where the shows are great because they feel like those miniseries or those in-between issues that can be greatly explored. Like the Mr. Miracles in the middle of the crisis kind of thing. And I love that about that. I hope they continue, even after Loki's done, to make even more shows that will continue to explore more characters in a way that, you know, a lot of us have been wanting for years. I would have to give it 9.5 out of 10 times in the finale. I kept going, where are the other superheroes in New York? Yeah, I mean, you could do that all day re just reading comics, too. And after a while, you have to go, look, there was some other shit going on. <laughs> I kept thinking about Spider-Man, though. I was just like, where's Spider-Man? Yeah, you just wanted to see Spider-Man because you're spider -Man. Well, if the timeline's right, this would have happened before Far From Home. Far from home was supposed to be eight months after the resnap. This was six months after the resnap. But then the the show has a time skip in the episode five for several months. Months? Yeah, Sam's training with the shield. That's months of training. 
That's a week. That's a bit of a jump. <laughs> Years, even. All right, Doggett, what's your final thoughts? I love it. I think WandaVision is a fantastic show. I think this is a perfect show. I'm going to rewatch every episode. I'm going to watch reactors watching this show. This show has too many iconic moments in the MCU now to ever be ignored. Just on those facts alone, I have to give this like a 10 out of 10 shield montages. All right, Neil. I was excited when these shows were announced, and I, I think WandaVision was a lot of fun. It was really well done. It inadvertently made Age of Ultron a better movie. With this series, I was excited for it, too. I did not think Disney would go where they took it. Disney is usually going to play it safe, but they went into race. They went into politics. They went into a lot of stuff that you would not think Disney would tackle with anything. They did. They went with all that. Captain America is probably Marvel's most political comic through all the years. I mean, its first issue has Cap punching Hitler in the face. And it came out a couple of years before the United States entered World War II. So it starts as a political comic book and then continues to do it. And with the different caps, including Sam, they still tackled all that stuff. So it fit in here perfectly. I would have, I think, liked one more episode. They could have flushed out a few things a little bit more. We could have got a little more of the Flag Smashers or Zemo or Sam and Bucky or Bucky's life. I'm not advocating for like a full 10 episodes or anything like that, but one more I think could have flushed it out. I hope they really considered doing this again if it's after the Cat movie or whatever with Sam. Come back to this. Like I said, I would watch these guys restore boats. Just bring an Avenger in a week and restore a boat. The Avenger brings the boat and they restore it. Each episode ends with they sail off into the sunset, like what Stam and Bucky were staring at at the final scene of this, looking to the hopeful horizon. I was going to get it nine and a half out of ten shield bounces, but I don't know if that counts as shield montages. I think it's fine. That's okay, because Sam could probably throw it for nine and a half bounces because he got pretty good by the end. Even when he jumps in that construction pit, he nails every target he wants to of the action of the series it was that last episode that was like damn this is movie quality action right oh here. i think all of it was they started with that helicopter fight to show you no we're not kidding around and you know they practical that you know they green screened but you don't know exactly where because it looked pretty damn good through the whole thing and it sets sam up as serious he's blowing helicopters up this is a hostile engagement he will not hesitate to kill people if he needs to he doesn't want to but these people are trying to kill him and they're trying to you know they've already killed and kidnapped soldiers so he's going to do what he's got to do that opening scene i think establishes a lot and while wandavision fed i think age of ultron this movie feeds civil war and Winter Soldier of yeah. why Sam earns what he does and why Bucky should be redeemable and you root for him to be fully redeemed. And Endgame for that matter. I think this is great. I'm with Mike though. This was a slow burn at first and I was like, it's fine. I'm not totally into it, but I will definitely go back and rewatch this whole thing with the bigger overall picture resonance. Everything is important. And I like this. This was really carefully plotted out in a way that I think of the bigger MCU being plotted out, where things that you really don't think are going to go the way they are end up being really resonant and emotional at the end. You're like, wow, I never in a million years would have expected Disney to go as hardcore political and social conscience as they did in this final episode. And everything was building towards that so that it made sense. And that's 
incredible. I actually read an NPR story on this where they were like beside themselves going, man, I can't believe Disney did this. Congratulations. The liberals are very excited who have never read comic books to learn that Captain America has always been one of them because he has. This is a lot of fun and I'm going to give it nine out of 10 golden statues of Isaiah Bradley that just made me cry all over again.